going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode in Hollywood Already Did It Presents Buddies for Life, a buddy cop look back along with Falcon and the Winter Soldier, where every week we talk about the current episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier on Disney Plus and pair it with a buddy cop movie that is similar thematically to explore how this genre has evolved, changed, and how we've seemingly been talking about the same things forever. Uh, it is amazing how many times I watch these movies and I'm like, we're having these same conversations about the police right now. It's almost <laughs> like these are systemic problems that have existed for decades and we've just done nothing about it or have tried to and have been stopped by the man. Uh, as always, I am your host, Blake Schultz. With me today is Jamie Jarek. Hello. And Terrence Tatum. Hello, everyone. And this week is episode three of Falcon and Winter Soldier, and we are off to the races. We've got Sharon Carter showing up. We've got Baron Zemo showing up. We've got spoilers. If you haven't watched it, go do it now and come back. We've got John Wick-style action. We've got Madripoor. We have a very small X that I'm told is just a stop sign in different countries, but might be an X-Men reference. It's not, but it's fun to pretend. It's fun <laughs> We we grasp at straws so much in WandaVision. They're like, we got to find something to pull on here. I'm glad that it's just become like a meta joke, though. I'm glad that we're not every week being like, well, hold on. Baron Zemo's mask is purple. And you know who else is purple? The smoke when Nightcrawler disappears. How did he get out of that prison so easily? This movie episode, this movie episode, uh, which is how I feel like we should describe these. That's how these are. Yeah. It, this was an, a, an amazing one. Let's get right into it. Jamie, what did you think? Loved it. Um, definitely the best one so far. It was so fun. It was funny. The action was good. Um, uh, it was so great to see Sharon be actually cool and, and bitter. I love that she was a bitter bitch about everything. Um, Zemo, what a delight. Uh, I'm so happy. He's just like, we're just getting like fun. Used to be a villain. Now we're just like a kooky sidekick. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i uh i really really enjoyed this episode i really dig when when movies or shows take villains of people that were like we hated and then like sort of turn them on their head like yeah we still we still know that they're a bad person like i love that that sam still actively remembers like hey we should still hate this dude he did blow up king t'chaka like let's remember what what this guy is all about but as you go along with him, like he is sort of like the the fun guy of this of this trio now. And like that gif of him sort of dancing is always like now the the the, the meme of the of, of the year right now. It's going pretty hard. So it's cool to see sort of add layers because we would never would have gotten this in film form. Just add some layers and see uh, that he is also smart, cunning, and having fun because he he's clearly knows what he's doing. Um, and he has a, he seems to be a, a one step ahead of the boys. But that's okay because like we're like all right we're we're having fun with them. Sharon like I I agree I love that she was just an angry angry like upset like you guys left me and I was I was fucked because of you guys. Um, but also she's a badass. She was she was whooping ass. I was like Jesus, this woman is John Wick. Like she can give her a book and she is killing everyone. <laughs> Well, and I think it's interesting that we're having both of these characters introduced and answering some even like post civil war questions because the the Sharon Carter of it all was always a big well where's this character and what happened and why isn't she with them when they all show up in Infinity War and we sort of are seeing that 
everyone got different repercussions. And I think when you see the systemic problems that Civil War addresses, Infinity War gets into an in-game talks about of the country not having the Avengers back, or what we just called them criminals because you've decided to call them that general we then kind of get to Sharon who sort of makes this point of, well, you guys at least had the Avengers. I had nothing. I was screwed when you guys left. So I had to just come to Zemo's homeland, seemingly, where he knows all the tricks. Everybody. This is yeah. like, I like seeing him so relaxed because he seemingly like is home. You get the sense that we're now on his turf, playing by his rules. But even getting to that moment, these prison break scenes, him trying to break Bucky, this kind of idea that he's reminding him eventually you're going to have to be the Winter Soldier again. To get through what we're going through, you're going to have to be that guy. I know that you're done and the words don't work anymore, but we got to turn that switch on. And Just I to think see him stare at him when he first sees him is like, oh, no, it's still it's still in there. Like, I still I still see a bit of it. And I think that's very important because as we make Zemo less of a villain and more of like an understood character who had evil motives, we can't neglect who Bucky Barnes was. And one of my favorite quieter moments in Civil War is when Cap is sort of trying to forgive Bucky. He's like, well, it wasn't you. It was Hydra. Yeah. I still did it, though. Like... The we can't fully forgive him if we don't start the process of forgiving Zemo, who had a better reason than just being like the terrorist gun for Hydra. Like we, we even like small moments of him being like, well, you never went to this memorial. Of course you did it. You don't really care about any of this. You start to see his worldview in a way that we haven't really done with anybody besides maybe Thanos in these movies. Yeah, I, I like this too because he he immediately says like I to to Bucky like I feel bad I'm I'm sorry that I I got you locked like you were locked away for as long as you were because um, I understand it but it wasn't anything personal to you I had an agenda that I needed to get through and you unfortunately were just the casualty of that but I I would not have wished this on you uh, which was I was like oh that's a fascinating sort of play and just tells you that he he at his heart isn't evil he's one of those ones who's like I got I got my agenda. This is what I want to I want to do. Be damned of who I kind of like burn as I get. It to connects that to what he says to T'Challa in Civil War. He apologizes for his dad dying and says he has this beautiful, amazing son and has this very real moment. And what we're forgetting is that this was a character who did his mission and tried to kill himself. So everything else for him now is is bonus mode. Yeah. There is nothing left besides whatever this mission is. And I love seeing Sharon. I love that chip on her shoulder. We're starting to kind of get into these ideas of screw what Captain America and Steve Rogers was, but what the shield means and this hunk of metal. And we're putting so much weight in this. And I think you're starting to see that symbol erode when we get to like John Walker in the very beginning of the episode oh, I getting love... spit on. And then he's like, do you know who I am? And for that guy, he's like, it doesn't, I don't care. Like, I don't care. <laughs> no, it really is showing you anybody can put a 23 on a jersey, but it doesn't make right. you Michael Jordan. Yeah, you're not, you're not the Steve Rogers. So I don't, you are irrelevant to me. This logo means nothing to me. And, and I will spit on you because that's what I think of this. Uh, it's that was cool to see and see his reaction to see how angry and viscerally angry that he got that he wasn't getting the respect by putting on that uniform that they don't respect him 
for having that uniform on. And uh, he now feels this is why I think he's going like a rabbit dog on a bone. Was like, hey, Sam and Bucky let Zemo out. We got to go get them because they are effing up <laughs> my whole thing. Which is, yeah. I guess, Jim. I was gonna say, yeah, I think that by the end he's gonna snap. Uh, he's, you know, I think I think he's gonna take this super soldier serum, and then. I don't think he's gonna survive, but we'll. I do too, because I, I think I think I love I love the fact that they've sort of put in that the the serum has been manufactured and, and restructured so that you don't get super buff. We can now make just regular ass people uh, super powered. I was like, oh, that's so, so. So now I've made it so that this formula is now you can look you can look like an everyday person. We don't have to have, have the, the actors go to the gym as much. You don't, you don't have to work out anymore. Robert Pattinson would be. And hog heaven. <laughs> you know, Chris Evans just kept talking about this diet and this workout in every interview for Age of Ultron. We gotta, yeah. we gotta figure out a narrative reason. I'd be so pissed. <laughs> you tell me I don't have to do nine hundred crunches a day. I've been you eating just tree been like, bark <laughs> and just doing sit-ups all day. What are you talking about? Oh, the lean salmon I've had to have and these pull-ups you're telling now there's a narrative device that's just like, you're strong. <laughs> Congrats. The audacity. Like, damn it. Um, and I think, I mean, I knew it, it I'm glad that they brought it back because I knew it had to, especially since Bucky spent so much time there, but spoilers, my hat. Um, I knew that if anyone was going to have an issue with Zemo being back out, it would be the Wakandians. Like I, I just felt like they would have something. So to see, to see Ao at the end, and then hear that when I heard that theme, I threw my remote. I was like, "Shit, yes!" The musical callbacks in this episode: Zemo and Civil War, the Black Panther theme coming up. Just ooh, I don't want to hear any more of this nonsense that Marvel doesn't have like good quality music in it that was going around during, I think like Infinity War, Age of mm -hmm. Ultron, where they're going, they the just don't have a theme. classic score like yeah. everything else. First of all, you're comparing that to like three other franchises. Bond, Star Wars, and Jaws, and Halloween have the best. Yeah. But like you can't, ooh, that evoked so much in me. <laughs> Indeed. It was like hearing Simi Charmed Life again after 20 years. And it just like, oh, I didn't know this was about sex and drugs, but I still do enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. Which I have to assume both of these themes are also. But yeah, we got a lot of great setup for where we're going. We we dug into a lot more of Sam on the plane and all of his reasons. Every episode is just adding layers and layers. And what I'm really appreciating is all four people on the board have very different reasons to be frustrated about the shield, about the post in the game world. No one really feels the same. And I think that's very impressive for a show to do. And I think it's what you miss in big tentpole movies a lot. It's very easy, even in an infinity war and in game and Ultron, uh, even the first Avengers to just kind of be like, they have their differences and they're going to fight. But in the end, they've all got to go fight the big bad guy. But like the only real difference is that they're just kind of squabbling where this is really <laughs> like everyone has a different worldview and a different approach to it and a different life experience. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of my favorite jokes of um, 
him telling Bucky about the masterpiece and Sam's response to this white man. He's like, that's very problematic. But yes, he is correct. This is this is a fantastic piece I, of work. Uh, I felt very seen in that moment where I was like, damn it, I do talk about hip hop a lot. And I'm like, no, but this is really what was going on in the 90s. And Terrence is always like, you gotta, you gotta stop. You're not wrong, but you got, this is why we gave you Eminem. <laughs> You it can talk about him. I was, like, oh. I was like, oh, I've been here. I know this scene. <laughs> I also really like that Zemo calls in James. There's something yes. just so... Because I wanted John Walker too. Because he's got that whole moment where he says like, you can call me Bucky, Sam. Steve called me Buck. We're not doing that. Mm -hmm. So when John Walker called him Bucky, I was like, oh, I want them to not say it but he should be calling him James because he's even like further away. Right. Having Zemo do it has this weird silence of the lambs. It feels Bondian, like a Bond villain type of thing where you're like, James, I'm not calling you by your nickname. I am referring to you by your formal government name. It's, there's also something like sensual about that like like um i don't know i feel like sometimes in couples when somebody like if there's a gym but like their their partner will call them james all the time like i feel like that's common um and i don't know there's like when he said i because when he said james i like felt it i was like mm, yeah yeah I, I think i just like take everything and make it sexual <laughs> I, they are uh and I don't think any of these characters are going to have a coming out story on top of everything else that's happening. Yeah, but um, you could cut that tension with a knife. When the three of them I, on that plane, I was like, oh, this is fun. Like these guys are having a ball. And I, I know for a fact, I don't, I, I feel like Bucky would understand, would have understood it. But like when the, the butler is like, this is good, but give them, and then he's like, give them the, the cheap ish or the bad stuff in another language. I feel like Bucky understood that. Sam probably did not, but it was just weird to me that like no one, I know Bucky was aware of what was being said and was like, all right, I'm going to let you, I'm going to let that. Yeah, I, I feel like we keep, uh, we keep teasing the audience a bit, being like, they might smooch. Yeah. They might. They're rolling around in that grass like Padme and Anakin. And and and, and Sam's wearing this, this three-piece, like colorful, bright pimp suit that he's got on. <laughs> <laughs> Even uh, Zemo like calling out American culture's problematic attitude towards like African American culture when Sam's like, I look like a pimp, and he's, and he's like, like, only he's like, <laughs> only in North America does a well dressed African American come off as a pimp. I was like, Zemo is woke as hell. Zemo's <laughs> <laughs> in there listening. like, no, that is a good piece of African American literature. I love this music. He's just all into everything. Zemo is well well traveled. But, I mean. <laughs> They did look dope. I was like, how do we, Terrence, how do we get those costumes? Or how do I we want that him? suit. <laughs> I want Zemo's jacket. Oh, the, yeah. Oh, the that jacket was dope as hell. Yeah. I also want Sharon's like one, one piece blue, like kind of suit thing she was wearing. She was rocking that. Some good yeah. fashion this week. It yeah, was, yeah, yeah. Everyone's like very attractive. <laughs> yeah, there are four good looking people on screen. Somebody was just like, we got to deal with some pretty intense themes, but we should also make them irresistible. <laughs> How do we really get a point these important we, messages? We don't know which one wants to sleep with whom. Let's just have it, whatever. <laughs> Speaking of not knowing who wants to sleep with whom, this week we are pairing this up with Lethal Weapon. 
a movie where you know exactly who wants to sleep with who because Shane Black as a writer makes it very clear. Yeah. I also just finished Lethal Weapon 2, which Shane Black isn't a part of, but he sleeps with that girl for like half the movie. They're just in that trailer near the ocean, just going to town. Bed buddy, yeah. I was like, at one point, it's like, check my watch. And I was like, they've been, it was like sunset when this started. They've just been, damn. It's funny, that's, Two is the one that I know the I remember the least of the four. Um, and I don't think I don't know why that is. Uh, that, that one I remember pretty well because of the apartheid stuff, um, and and because Joe Pesci. Uh, but Lethal Weapon is our buddy cop movie this year. Nineteen eighty-seven was the first one. Shane Black's first movie, which is preposterous. The man was twenty-two. He almost threw out this script. Yeah, so and the script was in the garbage somewhere. <laughs> changed yeah. his mind, locked out. The movie, I always love a good story in Hollywood that's like, and they overcame such things. This is just like, there was a period of time where you could send a script to somebody and if they liked it, they bought it. Yeah. It's just sitting um, around, like this is one of those scripts that was getting passed around on coffee tables and somebody was like, let me read this. Read it and was like, huh, I'd like to buy this. Well, what? <laughs> I think one of my favorite bits of trivia for this movie and this year is that Leonard Nimoy wanted it was uh, the sought after to direct. He yeah. turned it down and then uh, beat Lethal Weapon at the box office with his movie. Yeah, he turned it down because he didn't think he could do action sequences, which is just nuts. I think he was doing Three Men and a Baby. Yeah, I was like, yeah. Was that, yeah. I was gonna say, was it Three Men and a Baby? Because yeah. that's hilarious. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, Three Men and a Baby is a classic, but Team Lethal Weapon. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. I mean, I think there's one of those movies that we talk about more often now. No disrespect like to Mr. Nemo's. But yeah, it's, it's Lethal Weapon. <laughs> Although, yeah. isn't Three Men and a Baby coming back? They're doing something for like Disney. Everything's Club. coming yeah, back. back. Didn't you see the Space Jam trailer, Jamie? We're cramming more IPs in that movie than you could imagine. <laughs> Ridiculous. They're showing up. <laughs> um, the movie had to teach these actors five different martial arts styles for the action sequences. He took a tired genre, which is very weird as we talk about the evolution of this genre that we get here and it's like, people were kind of burnt. But yeah, by infusing intense action, fun comedy, darker themes, noir ideas, this notion of suicide and mental health, and then in infusing that with comedic moments, set it apart from everything else. It goes on to make almost $120 million worldwide, spawns three sequels, this talked about fifth one, forever. Uh, it, it inspires every action movie from it, draws from this movie. What do you guys think about Lethal Weapon? I mean, I, I've, oh, I, it's one of my favorite movies. I love Lethal Weapon. Um, I'm a sucker for any action movie that takes place at Christmas time. I mean, it's, it, I don't love it as much as I love Die Hard, but it's in that same you know, vain. Um, and I watch it today for the millionth time and it's just fun. I mean, it's, and like, we're talking about how 48 hours is considered a comedy. And even though this movie is still on the grittier side, especially compared to all the sequels, it's still so much funnier than 48 hours. There are so many comedic moments. Um, and even though Mel Gibson is yes, a problematic man in real life, you, he, you can't help but be captivated by by him on in this movie he's unnecessarily charismatic it's like everything he does in this movie is so engaging and then on the other side of that i love um 
the family. Uh, I it's such a great and I love that the family sticks around for all four movies. They're such an endearing, believable, sweet family. Same actors, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and and they all come back and and like you care about this family and and it just if everything about them feels real and and the way that they embrace um rigs, it's all just a really sweet yeah. fun time. Plus a lot of good action. It is a lot of good action. Uh yeah, I love I love this movie. It's one of my favorite. I mean, I have a love hate with Shane. Uh, I hate him as a his person. He's got some problems, but a lot of his catalog I love. Most of his films take place around Christmas, but like, and I and I adore that too. Long Kiss, Good Night, and, and Iron Man Three, and, and all that. I, I I think this movie was. I I love the family aspect too, especially having a, a black family. I was like, oh, this is pretty dope, and the fact that they sort of do take him in over the course of the series. He sort of becomes like their stray, and then they're like he becomes part of the family. He's and, and I love that. I um. What I really liked about this movie, and I, it still holds true even today, is how much they get into how Riggs just did not want to be here. And I think that's a that's a fascinating thing to look at from top to bottom. Like, this guy just lost his wife, and he is, as a police officer, the only thing that's getting him up is to go do cop work, but he's doing it, and it seems like putting his toe habitually over the line of, like, I may die today, and I don't care. Like, I'm going to go in here this sniper, I'm going to throw cautions to win i'm going to go up here for this talk to this roof guy handcuff myself to him and whatever happens happens uh i it, it's fascinating having somebody who has sort of loose and i love that Murtaugh is like not completely sure if he's crazy or if he's putting on this affectation to sort of get a pension or if like what's going on with him and to sort of in the process of this see how much of a Sort of like, like, like I said, that stray dog who's sort of like, I'm going to always be here. I'm here. I'm going to protect you. And when he saves Murtaugh, Murtaugh's like, okay, he's nuts. But there's something to this guy that that is endearing. And maybe I need to just watch out for him. Maybe I should also be here with him. And then when he puts his life on the line for his, for his daughter, for Murtaugh's daughter, he's like, well, then all bets are off. Even though this guy's nuts, I'm going to have to deal with him for the rest of my life because this guy is, he's my guy now. I think that it's one of the most clever things to do with a character to give this concept that he's like crazy and insane. And the reason we, not maybe not we as an audience, but everybody in the world of this movie believes that to be the case is that he wants this pension, this suicide pension, this death pension, this whatever it's going to be that'll get him out of the game. He doesn't want to be there. And we see in a, in an incredible acting scene, no problematic actor has done this well. When he puts that gun in his mouth I mean, so quickly on, and we immediately understand who this guy is. And the reason that we're doing it, we have so many action stars and characters that do insane things to just kind of like be cool. It's so cool when they do it, or oh, they know they're going to get away with it. And you build up a character that's doing it because he really doesn't care. And that's such a different take on the like action hero that makes it, I think, more believable and more tangible to an audience. That you kind of have this sadness to every scene that he's in. So even when you're like, man, he's such a badass, but it's not that he knows he can do it. It's not some James Bond, Austin Powers, like, I'm always going to be okay, baby. It really is just like, I don't care. And the fact that like you look at the behind the scenes of it and they just had to drive this trailer around every day on set until he was like, I, I'm going to do it today. He's like, he had to put so much effort into putting that gun in his mouth 
that it was like bring the set with us wherever we go one day i'm going to be feeling it and we're going to make magic happen something that nobody would allow today there's no chance no but young shane black and richard donner said let's make magic yeah uh, just a, a, a force. And I think you get into so many other bigger themes with this family and this, not, you have a character who wants to be there, but doesn't mind dying and a character who doesn't want to be there. And, and if he dies, loses everything. And that kind of juxtaposition in a buddy cop comedy gives you like the kind of thematic tension that allows it to go beyond either just being like funny or badass you get the scene in the car where it's like and i have a daughter and it's my last day and you're out here jumping off roofs and if anything happens to me and they lose me it's on you and it's it's like when he finally calms down is like i didn't know all of this like i didn't i'm sorry or this scene like right after he jumps off the roof with the suicidal guy and runs in pulls him into the room and just like like they put the gun and he gives him the guns like go shoot yourself and then he sees like oh this dude's not like he's not doing for a pension. He's actually, he's actually suicidal. Uh, and when he realizes that, I was like, "Oh, that's a, you won't, you don't see scenes like that anymore." Uh, it's clear that this is a movie in the eighties. This that scene wouldn't be allowed to be filmed the way that it's done. No, <laughs> and I, I don't even think you really see that kind of character development anymore. Like it's very rare, except for in this show that we're comparing it to, that you get moments like this with these characters this real tension and real stakes there's conflict in every single scene and then and not only is there conflict there's comedy there's action like it there's something in every there's never a moment of this movie that it is not engaging it is nearly flawless yeah i mean i think like i i forgot how much i love the scene but once his daughter is taken and then they have the two of them sort of having a debrief in that red and when everything's in like red and Rick is like, Murtop, I need you to shoot everybody. If you see someone, shoot them to kill. Like, I, I don't want you to hesitate. I don't want any of that. I need you to be on your best game. I need you to murder everybody that's in that room. And I was like, wow. Like that, I forgot how powerful that scene is, but just to, like, you don't really get the moments. The, the moment before you go do the shootout, you just go straight to the shootout. Nowadays, you're like, let's take a moment. I want to see where your head is because we need to be both be in this. We need to murder. There needs to be no wiggle room of saying, hey, let's shoot a kneecap. Let's do this kill everybody your daughter's involved and i mean that scene is more memorable than the big brawl at the end i think as a result of that like their their big climax moment comes in like second or third in this movie because some of these other scenes have a the emotional stakes that i think really only exist in this movie and in die hard like Mm -hmm. those are only the two that really come in and are like it's the best yeah and then he gets the fifth one and they're just superheroes or playing in Space Jam. <laughs> yeah, they'll be there. Don't you it's, worry. <laughs> it's funny. This is a series that yet yeah, did become, as it went along, more comedic. Um, you start, you put in Joe Pesci, and then you put in eventually uh, Chris Rock. It just becomes like, now we're just doing for the laughs. I think the fourth one gets a little bit more uh, intense because Jet Li is just beating the shit out of them so it's a little bit more action oriented but it it does become sort of a laugh right as opposed to I think what Shane was trying to do with this first one which is more of a grounded there are jokes in it like Jamie said but it's it's not we're not going for punchlines we're going for the jokes come out of usually pain typically in this first one um but it's still I think the comedy is a little bit more earned in in this one whereas it's like oh we're doing we're putting comedy in this for the the follow-ups 
this one's definitely more like this is an elevated like i think all three sequels are great but but none of them have the same none of them are like films the way lethal weapon is yeah yeah i think the first one has that aura of uh like a classic like oh there's just it's just a way we used to make movies we used to make these characters and build them out and think about these things and who they are and you i know, also that... really loved that it, it's a small thing it never really happens for for subsequent sequels but that this director stayed on for the entire franchise is, is rare and they lost uh, shane yeah <laughs> they did the man wanted to kill him i want this man dead I mean, look, Which, if he gets his fifth movie, why wouldn't we do that? I mean, yeah. seriously. But I also feel like, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm glad they didn't kill Riggs. I, I, the movie, I don't think the movie would have been the iconic staying power that it is, that it has today, because there's, there is too much, like, charm and fun in that movie to have it end so <laughs> dark. Mm. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I, I mean, I love the juxtaposition of the scene we talked about earlier with, and he says like, I got this hollow point bullet. And then at the end, we he gives the hollow point bullet. That, that subsequent, like I'm giving this up because I like being around, this family is now my family. Take this, I don't need this anymore. It's very that Logan. feels better than him just, if you, he, not easy, but killing himself sort of just seems like, oh, well. Well, I, I said it a lot where there are more interesting choices to me to do with characters than to kill them unless you're really going to like say something with that death it's like oh, all right that we were having a good there was a lot to do here yeah. i guess now we just won't i guess plus then how could he come back for space jam they're not going to be in it and i'll stop making that joke but well, i think just i don't know mama for kelly was in there from the goonies so who knows yeah i just think having characters that are so drastically different from each other it's more fun and more meat on the bones to kind of just let them continue being the oddballs as opposed well, to ending it and it's very similar thematically and this is why we're paying it <clears throat> why we're pairing it to falcon and the winter soldier when you look at these two characters and it's very different than any of the other buddy cop movies we've talked about they are the inverse of the same theme this sort of idea of what keeps you going and when should you leave? And you, like I said earlier, you have one character who is ready to die, but believes in the work. And one character who's ready to be done with the work, so his life is incredibly important. It sort of deals with this kind of concept of life and the importance and value of it. And what do these people have? One of them lives on the beach but in a trailer and the other one has a house and a boat and a pension and daughters. And how do you value that? And bringing them together challenges that idea in every scene. There's a thesis to this movie that gets brought up over and over again of like, when is it time to leave? Be that a job or, or death? And when you look at Falcon and the Winter Soldier, this is kind of saying the same thing. You have Falcon and you have Winter Soldier, you have Sam and you have Bucky, and they're both dealing with this idea and theme of legacy and symbols. And in this movie, especially movie, I keep doing that. In this episode, especially, you get into the idea of this symbol. And on one hand, you have Sam going, we've put too much stock into it. It ruined Sharon's life. It's ruining my life it ruined isaiah's life it is hurting people it's damaging them and you have bucky going that symbol means hope and that symbol is the reason i can look at my life and the mistakes i've made and keep going so before you just throw it away 
Like, let's really think about what this right. means. He's like, you you toss that away. I'm willing to go get it because I think this means more to people than than just a simple symbol. Like, there's something else here. And because of that, you keep returning to this thesis, and that's what challenges every episode. It's what cha- it's what sparks the conversations of race in this movie. It's what sparks the conversations of race in our own country of like ideologies and symbols and what things mean and what it means to to different individuals based on their backgrounds and in this episode especially you then have like well what does the shield mean to sharon to her it's just like and that's the moment i don't have a relationship with my dad anymore i made a decision and then steve left and then he literally like went back in time to have sex with my relative and and i got stuck in madripoor i'm just here like yeah and and for zemo it's the the death of his entire family it's an entire team of superheroes and super soldiers coming and ruining his entire life so you you now have four different people who look at this thing in a different way on top of that you have the world post blip going we need superheroes to re-invoke hope and ideologies in it but you also have john walker getting spit on so you you now have so many different ideas of what this symbol means the same way in lethal weapon you have a hundred different things of like what does life mean and what is the value of that life and when you do that you build more interesting characters in more interesting ways because you keep returning to the core of it and i think that's why both this show and that movie push forward so much it's a lot of two we do a lot i mean that's what Riggs's whole thing is is basically who do you become after you lose someone that you care about and i mean that's essentially what both bucky and falcon are, are they have to figure out their lives and, and who they are post losing steve but also post like in this case also post losing the shield right right now they don't have the thing that sort of tied all of this together like they're they're walk they're watching that walk around via the faux cap uh and that probably that actually is probably more open wounding like when you see the mistake you made or see what you've done and it's just walking around it's probably that's probably harder than than actually steve not being there because you now you're feeling like you've let steve down both of them in a different way well yeah and uh it would be very interesting to see what steve rogers would feel about this entire thing because i had a thought when i was watching this of like I don't think Sam and Steve would have talked about Isaiah the same way that him and Bucky are. I don't know what Steve's point of view would have been on this. I don't think that the Steve Rogers that the MCU built was prepared for intense conversations about race. Ditto. When yeah. positioned with the idea that maybe sometimes he shouldn't be allowed to cross borders and like do whatever he wants with a superpowered witch girl, he was like, that's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> So, <laughs> I Just don't uh, know if this is a conversation he would want to broach. Yeah, which is a very interesting thing to think about of everybody else's point of view. But I don't know, Jamie. What do you think? I feel like J- Terrence and I have gone on for a. While. I just spouted for like five straight minutes. No, um, I mean, <laughs> uh, I-, I agree that uh, I think Steve. It would have been complicated for him. Um, uh, and so, yeah, I agree with everything you said. Um, on that specific subject, I have nothing to add. <laughs> it's funny because I do think that the Isaiah, I mean, I think the Isaiah stuff's going to 
play in as this continues on. I do hope that we get some type of resolution for him. Um, and I know that there were rumors. I doubt it because he knocked it because Kev, Kevin Feige knocked it down. But I, I do know that there were rumors that, that uh, Evans was doing something back as Cap. I would hope that it's in this, even if it's just to have a conversation as Steve out of uniform with with Brad, as old man Steve mm-hmm. um, with Bradley just to have a conversation like I didn't know like something I, something like that to resolve. I'd like to find out like what is where old man Steve is because they haven't confirmed that he's dead although in in Spider-Man he was in the in memoriam but that's also eight months later so I think, I, I think and I also think but I, that's true I, I feel like that school thing was more of kids saying that we don't see Cap anymore, so we just assume that Steve Rogers True. is dead. And like they, oh guys, see, he's outside dead. Of Spidey, we would see old man Spidey. I mean, old man Cap. I uh, I can't yeah, imagine because he, be he was he was quite old. I can't imagine that they would have started any of this without him being dead. I can't imagine that. The government would have started. I don't even think Sam would have given away the shield until he died. But it's only been like a couple weeks since since he was on that bench in Endgame. Did he just like walk into the ocean I and think die? it's been a few months, hasn't it? Uh, it feels, I, I think it's only a few weeks after um, timeline-wise. They haven't wise. specifically said, but either way, it's very close. So like he would have yeah. just died if he did die. I think there's a reason they haven't specified. I i i think that that has to be brought up eventually yeah the fact that like neither of the boys considering they were some of the last folks to have seen him have brought it up is is interesting as well like they're like we're going to go to bradley but if steve is still on the board wouldn't you talk to him too that's why i'm like some or maybe he just went back maybe he just dropped off the shield and went back to peggy's world yeah but uh, I do hope there's some resolution to it. It could be as simple as them going to a grave. Because mm-hmm. I think that's going to be a big question. Because, Or he'll show up at the end and he'll say something to John. It might be a John Walker scene. It might be a weird scene where he sits down with him and is like, look, there's just pressure that comes with this. And yeah. you're not up to it. But it doesn't mean you're a bad soldier. Like, go be the U.S. agent and join the West Coast Avengers. Because they're coming. I, I don't know. But there is a lot else. I mean, both the show and Lethal Weapon are also dealing with mental health in a way that a lot of the rest of that genre didn't. You're seeing the evolution of genres. We're up to like John Wick type action. There's some more noir. We have a whole prison breakout sequence. It feels a little like an Ocean's Eleven type of moment because we're we're having the story sort of be told via Bucky and saying like, hypothetically, what if we did this? And then it's happening uh at the same time and then we, they just walk in as oh that's that's pretty well done that's i so love like- that trope i watched bound last night um which is so good uh top notch oh, um uh, <laughs> and uh, and they have the, they do like the same kind of thing where they're they're talking about how they're going to steal the money in the flash of it um i think that's always such a fun trope yeah i dig it i dig when when shows shows do that and then all of a sudden he just walks in you're like Oh, Sam. Sam's going to be pissed. And I love it. It plays, it plays well. Um, it's, it, it's, it's, it's funny because this is shot. We, we keep saying film because it's shot, essentially, it's like shot like a movie. Um, and that's why I think we, we keep diving into that word. I think this is one of the, these are one of the few shows that we can sort of, it 
play fast and loose with that term because that's what it is. But the shooting style of this is phenomenal. Um, it feels like it's doing some of the old school tropes. Like I, I watched Kong, Godzilla and Kong, and that, like when they went to the uh, Murjong and like we're all in that world. I was like, this is very neon lighting. I I've seen something similar to this recently. This is stunning oh, to look. Madripoor at. is very Madripoor Blade is yeah. I was nuts. like, I want to go to Madripoor. Yeah, I want to hang out there right now. Like this is like the MCU place that I would thrive in. I think. Yeah, yeah that was that was very Blade Runner. That was very neo noir. There was a lot of very cool things that we have not really seen in this world yet. And I no. continue to be surprised that this is a Disney Plus show. I continue to just be like, oh, we just threw that pipe through that person's shoulder. That's exactly when I was like, wait a minute, what network are we on? Because Sharon is murdering people. Like she shot that guy in point blank in the chest. Oh yeah, we've <laughs> moved so far away from the like, do the heroes kill? <laughs> do they kill though? It's like, like uh, I think I said it on this show where I was like, you know, it's interesting. John Walker's walking on with that gun on his hip. Like, you know, Cap never did that. It's like, yeah. Sharon, you didn't let me really tell you about need it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sharon went up like seven levels in my book after that. After that 100%. Fight. I, I never fact, cared for her. And now I'm like, okay, girl. And then that paired with her her reasoning and why she's bitter. And then her just like kind of driving away. I was like, oh, Sharon's up to no we good. Be, yeah, I'm we better not it. just be done with that. Yeah, she's like, up to no good and I'm all about it. She better come back and do so. Even if she flips on the dudes, like, I'm, I'm good. She earned it. It's fine. Let's go. If she ended up being the power broker, I would not be mad about it. I think that's, I think that I also that agree. would be nuts. So I didn't yeah. even think about that. We got a lot of stuff on the board. I'm still concerned that we're not going to pull all this off in three, in three more episodes. Yeah, three episodes. <laughs> it's so short. Yeah. Um, and that, that also is why it feels like a movie. Like, because it's just like a long movie. It is. We're getting 45 minute pieces each, each week. Um, they don't feel as like... WandaVision ended and it felt like, all right, this is the end of an episode. We're going to cliffhanger over to the next one. This feels like we're just doing a, a pause until we come back the following week. Yeah. yeah I think I, um, where WandaVision needed to be week to week, this could have been a binge without problem. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny because I, I see a lot of tweets that are like, oh, and this cliffhanger. And I'm like, shows don't, middle of seasons aren't cliffhangers. That's just the end of an episode. That's just the end of an episode, yeah. Did you all not watch Breaking Bad? That every week was like, oh. That's just television. Yeah, that that's just the medium. We're it. You've just been spoiled yeah. by Netflix being like, here is an hour's worth of content. People Go have next. forgotten how TV works and it makes me sad. They've been so conditioned to watch everything binge-wise or streaming that they don't really know how television works. My wife's one of them. She's like, I, I want all of the boys now. I was like, babe, that's not how TV works. They're they're trying to get, create a water cooler buzz. This is sort of what, this is the way that this works. You you are, I I know me personally, I less care about a show if you give it to me all at once, I watch it all and then once and then I forget about it. If you give it to me over the course and like let me digest it easily, uh, I will much more care about that show well and, i think that was yeah. proven after wandavision when so many people that next in the week in between these two shows were like but wandavision's gone well what do we do and it's like you wait because that's how we used to do it yeah. i think for me it depends um i think it depends on the show i don't mind the binge method i don't mind the week to week i think it's totally a case-by-case -case basis but it is odd to me that people like are, are struggling to accept the week to week when it was the norm for 50 years. That was the only years. way we had for 50 ever. years. <laughs> Makes me feel like old. 
you know like <laughs> yeah not old but it makes me like feel a little old oh yeah uh, guys, I think that's all we have. I had a few other thematic comparisons for Lethal Weapon and Winter Soldier, but I think we covered it well mm -hmm. enough. All, all I wanted to say real quick is that I think that Riggs and Murtaugh have the best chemistry in any buddy movie we're going to watch. And I think that uh, Sam and Bucky have some of the best chemistry, if not the best chemistry in the MCU in a very similar way. And that I think is the most important uh, connection between these two movies is, is chemistry, baby. Oh yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Of the ones that we are planning to watch, this is probably the best. Yeah, they have the best connection, and I think they're they're both they're both different enough. That's why I think they work, but they're also talented enough to do the heavy lifting of like the dramatic stuff as well as the the badass action sequences as well. Well, guys, that's our show. Thank you so much for watching and listening. You can, of course, subscribe to the YouTube channel or subscribe to the podcast, whichever way you're going. Pick your poison. You can, of course, leave us a review on that podcast. You can then follow the show at Hollywood ADI on Twitter and Hollywood already did it on Instagram. I am, at all, as always, Blake. Jamie is at Jamie Cinematics and Terrence is at Terrence Tatum. Terrence and I do another show called You Can't Do That Anymore about movie podcast, movie podcasts, about movies that you can't do anymore about movie podcasts that you cannot do anymore. Some fun. of these people have got it out of hand with their tangents. <laughs> Stop them. Uh, Jamie, of course, is at comicbook.com. You can read all of her articles there and her quizzes at Buzzfeed. And I, of course, do How Do You Figure Another Toy Collecting Podcast. And that's our show. We will see everybody next week. Bye.